what a Sunday it was at Augusta National. England's Danny Willick coming back from the pack to take home the green jacket after a shocking back nine collapse by Jordan Spieth. Willett fired a bogey-free 67, becoming the first European since Jose Maria Olathebel in 1999 to win the Masters title. We'll discuss Willett's victory, plus what happened to the young player from Texas right now on the Monday Scramble podcast. Lisa Cornwell, Will Gray in studio. Uh, look, I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I think a lot of us are still letting it sink in. What were your thoughts, especially on 12 for Jordan Spieth? My thoughts were what just happened. I, I mean, I, I remember Greg Norman in 96, and that was a slow bleed, and that was just as painful, I think. But, but Jordan Spieth's collapse was over before we even realized it was happening. Just the, those shots on 12, and I think it really was the, the third shot. He could have made a double bogey on 12 and probably still won the green jacket, but it was the just absolute chunk wedge from, from 80 yards that just derailed his hopes. And it's, I mean, listen, at, at the turn, this was Alabama beating up on Michigan State. This thing was over. He's up by five. He's made four birdies in a row. And it's on ice. We're, we're talking about how many more green jackets is Jordan Spieth going to win. And in the span of 20, 30 minutes, everything just went upside down. I wonder how much grief. And, look, you hate to put this on Greller, but I did talk to a couple caddies after that. The, the second shot, it was actually his third shot, but from 68 yards, that is such a difficult yardage for anybody. I mean, look, 48 is more difficult, but 68 is not an easy number. I guess that that was a number that they felt comfortable with. But I don't get going into that green how 68 yards is the number you pick when you don't have to. Yeah, exactly. And I agree. I mean, Jordan Spieth said afterwards he wanted a shot that he could put some spin on it, that he wanted to be able to land the ball, have it check, and come back and end up where it hit. He's but a PGA Tour player. He I can understand. put enough spin on I, a 120-yard shot. The other, but the other thing is, why, why does he need that? He can just bail out to the left part of the green, make his five, and get out. There's got to be someone in his ears. I mean, Greller's the only one that's, that's there. But you've got to say, listen, this thing is not lost. He hit that tee shot on 12 he said he was thinking about the bogeys on 10 and 11 and he wasn't focused on the fact that he was still leading the masters and that's why that one got away but he's got to just rein it in right there in those five minutes and just go to the drop zone play safe get your five you've got two par fives coming up that everyone's birdieing pretty much the every third player that steps up to the 16th team made a hole in one so he had birdie opportunities coming in to steady the ship but that was it was the third shot like you said that, that just did him in i don't know why he went over to the right side with that tucked right pin it just seemed like it was a much more difficult shot than he needed to give himself well look i go back to the yardage and that green i mean you can look at it i haven't played augusta unfortunately but it's so intimidating yeah. i mean everybody thinks okay it's a 145 yard hole that's easy it's no, about it's as deep not. as this table yeah, right here i mean here. it's yeah. incredibly ridiculous but the hardest shot in golf is is a shot that you can't go at yep. you know what i mean and yeah. you could tell it was a total decel in the move with that kind of pressure with everything at stake again i just go back to that yardage and i mean you can't you really can't it's hard to question a guy who's won two major titles who's won at augusta national who's played that way and uh, he just said he lost focus and so he almost, I think he it, almost did it the third time the, yeah. the, the fifth shot was not great putting in the back bunker he caught the sod on that one early and he kind of just willed it through to be able to get enough juice on it to get it over the bank. When Greller went in the bag and started grabbing another ball from 68 yards again, shot. I'm at home watching this going, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. What are they doing? I, like, I, I hope that Greller addresses it because, again, I think that part of the caddy's job is to question your player, and you have to wonder 
what Bones would have done, what some of these really veteran caddies, if they would have gone and gotten in his face and said, no, we're not doing this. We're not, yeah. we are not hitting this shot. Yeah, and again, I think it goes back to the decision not to go to the drop zone, which is going to be off in a different angle. And just, he, he gave himself such a small target to hit. And like you said, it's an uncomfortable wedge shot for anyone under any circumstances. But you've got kind of a downhill lie. You've got some grainy grass. I mean, I feel like he just added variables in a situation where he needed to be taking them off the table. But let's be honest. I mean, he, he, he played well, obviously, but he, was, but he was struggling with the driver. There were yeah. th thoughts going through his head. It was impressive, though, when he comes back. I mean, we, we talk about bounce-back numbers. I pay attention to that stat a lot. The fact that he went quad birdie par birdie, right? Yeah. And that shot on 14, remember, that thing is about three feet away from catching that ridge, and it's going to roll down to about four feet. And he still almost made the ridiculous putt from, from 50 feet on the top of the ridge. So it was certainly... He, he bounced back. I don't know if there's a stat for the quad birdie bounce back, but he's kind of owning that. But, yeah, I mean, if, if I would have told you before the final round, Jordan Spieth's going to go out and make seven birdies, you would have said over under five-shot win. Yeah. I mean, this would have been over. And poor Danny Willett. I mean, here the guy plays the round of his life, and we're not talking about him off the top. Yeah. I mean, we're Same talking thing. about it's, Jordan It's more Spieth. synergy from 96. It's Nick Faldo, the only other Englishman to win a green jacket, also shot a 67. And that tournament is remembered as the one that Greg Norman lost, not the one that Nick Faldo won. And I think that that's going to be the same case with this one. Let me ask you this, because we talk, we love to make comparisons in sports. We do it in golf, too. And, you know, unfairly, I think that it was so easy to compare Jordan Spieth and Tiger Woods. Does this sort of separate them a little bit now? Because we never saw Tiger Woods do anything like this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the problem is now there's going to be an asterisk involved with Jordan Spieth and majors that... No matter what he does from here on out, if he wins seven majors, he should have won eight. If he wins ten, he should have won eleven. And we never saw that from Tiger. We never really saw it from Jack. I mean, you look, there have been other greats that have lost like this. Arnold Palmer specifically uh, at the U.S. Open. He even, he even had a, a double bogey in the 72nd hole at the 61 Masters to kind of give one away. But nothing to this extent from Woods. And when you, you're talking about the all-time greats and just the precipice of, that Spieth was on with golf history, no one had ever gone wire to wire at, ma at a major in back-to-back -back years. No one ever. And he should have done it. And it was remarkable to see how quickly it all unfolded. I think mentally it's going to psychologically, it's going to be really interesting to watch what happens to him next. Maybe maybe not in everyday PGA Tour events because the pressure isn't the same. Oakmont. But majors yeah. and even the players. I mean, yeah. we're four weeks away from the players. How will how will I, that reaction be? I kind of, I'll give him a pass on the players because that's, I mean, he missed the cut last year. That's not a course that I think sets up well for him. He did play well in 2014, but I, that's a real hit or miss course. I think it's, it's going to boil down to what he does Really, when he, I mean, it's going to be so weird. He's going to defend the title at Oakmont. He's going to sit in there in those press conferences and answer all these questions, and everyone's just going to be asking about the one that got away a few weeks back at Augusta. You have to wonder what this week's going to be like for him. You have to wonder what last night was like for him. I mean, look, the guy, he's had so much success, but you still feel for him. I mean, oh, you, for sure. the pain was. I mean, watching, watching that ceremony, the, the salt in the wound that not only does he lose this tournament in terrifying fashion, but then he has to go and put the jacket on Danny Willett twice. He's got to do it in Butler Cabin for TV. He's got to go outside and do it with Billy Payne in front of all the hundreds of patrons. And he knew it walking up the 18th hole. You could just see it on his face that this is, he's about to live his worst nightmare. And it just all unfolded in, in a matter of hours. And you know, kudos to him for, for stepping up to the plate and answering questions and handling those difficult ceremonies with grace and class. But that, that was just 
you, you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. So you put this number one in terms of collapses that you've yeah, seen? Yeah, I think, I mean, you're, like you said, we're going to talk about this versus Norman. Norman's was the slow bleed, but he really just didn't have the game step into the first tee on Sunday. Jordan Spieth had rolled out four birdies in a row and looked like he was going to birdie his way into the clubhouse. He was making everything. We saw him come out wobbly off the first few holes. He probably should have hit it OB on four. He got away with one on five. But he's making pars. It, it, it harkened back to the third round when Rory McIlroy was playing with him, and he said, I have no idea how this kid is still two under. Like He's watching him play. He should be two, three, four over, and he's still keeping it at or around un, or under par, I should say. So he was able to battle through that, and then he got his confidence, and he got the good stretch. He's making putts, rolling in a 21-footer on the ninth hole, and he looked ready to beat the world. And so for him to go as a defending champ, five up, nine holes to go, I think only Vandeveld stands above this in terms of major collapses. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's yes. very true. Okay, we can talk a lot about Spieth, and I'm sure we'll come back to him. But there were so many other interesting storylines. You just mentioned Rory McIlroy. Uh, how devastating was this week, especially this weekend for him? Yeah, it's it's troubling what he, what he talked about in his post-round press conference on Sunday, just saying that he's not able to mentally get over the hurdle of trying to tackle the career Grand Slam. He's 0 for 2 now, trying to get the Masters to round out the fourth leg of the Slam. He was He was right there. He cleared so many hurdles and he checked off so many boxes getting himself into the final pairing on Saturday he's within one of the lead he avoided any health issues any, any recent form coming into the week he played well through the first two rounds didn't have any issues with the draw and he's got Jordan Spieth in his sights and he comes through and not only lays an egg he doesn't make a single birdie during the third round I, I'm concerned I, he's gonna have three or four more cracks at this at Augusta where he's still kind of playing with house money. But I think if he gets out to about 30 years old and he's missed five, six, seven opportunities to get the green jacket, it's going to become as big a burden as it was on the likes of Weisskopf and Norman and Ernie Els. Everyone right now says Rory's going to win a green jacket, but they've said that before about really talented players, really talented major champions who didn't get in the winner's circle at Augusta. This is going to become a big, big deal for him in a few years. Okay, so let me put you on the spot. You think he wins it? I don't. Really? Yeah, I don't. I, I just. One hundred percent disagree. Okay, well, well, tell me, tell me, give my point, then you can go. <laughs> I think. Listen, he, he has the game, and it's it's going to be a situation where if you go, if you take a sample size of five or six, eight years, you're going to say it's likely he does it at some point in this range. But if you focus on any one point in that sample size, it's going to be unlikely he does it this week, this given year, knowing that he now has to face 52 more weeks of Masters talk, Grand Slam talk. When are you going to do it? When's it going to happen? What do you need to do? What's it going to take to get it done? It's a, it, he's playing against the stack deck at Augusta. He could overcome it, but it's not exactly a fair fight. Yeah, well, and look, his ball striking is incredible. I love to watch him play. Yeah. And watching pre-round coverage yesterday, pre-game on Golf Central. I think Trip Eisenhower made a really good point, and I'm not sure that I like watching him putt as well with this left hand low. I mean, it was working I'm, for I'm a while. Not, a, it, not on Augusta Greens, though, and Trip was talking about the lack of release. He's always yeah. kind of shoved it a little bit. Yep. Um, but it's almost like at Augusta, your your style, everything that you do, that's why Jordan Spieth had so much success there. That's why Nick Faldo had so much success there. I mean, we talk about that time and time again with these players, but I think that you know, if this is going to become a focus for Rory McIlroy, I think that the way that he approaches his whole putting style is going to have to fit at Augusta National. And, you know, Tripp was talking about that, and he knows a lot more about it than me, but just talking about the lack of release, the lack of pop that you have to have, because those greens are so fast and so tricky and so intimidating. Yep. 
um, I'm not sure right now that he has the the putting mechanics to win on that golf course. Ask Martin Keimer what it's like to try and craft your whole game around succeeding at Augusta National and see how that works out. I mean, I, I agree. It's, he's not Rory McIlroy, He's though, not. But with the all due respect. But the problem is it's in his head. And he's, he's, he's candid to a fault about just how much he thinks about it and how much it affects him. He skipped the par three this year to try and give himself a little bit of an edge because he thought, well, I skipped it in 2011, and that's when I gave myself my best chance to win a green jacket. And it turned out that this probably was his best chance to win since that collapse in 2011. But it's, it's something that he clearly is thinking about, something that affects his preparation coming in, something that affects how he goes about his business during the week of the tournament. And, I mean, like I said, he could overcome it, but that's an extra variable that no one else in the field has to deal with. Let me ask you this, because I almost think that Spieth's collapse helps McElroy. I'm not sure as much. Actually, yeah. no, I do. I think that it helps him at Augusta National. I think that it sort of takes the pressure off of him a little bit. And to Going see forward? some, Yeah. Okay. And I don't know why, but I think kind of for him being on the outside and watching that happen and watching him go through something painful like McElroy did in, in 11 when he shut that 80 in, in the final round. I think that maybe it kind of eases the burden a little bit. I could see that. I think it definitely helps in the sense that we're not talking about Roy McIlroy. It took us 15 minutes to get to him during this show because it's all, you know, it's a little bit about Willett, the guy that actually won, but it's all about Spieth and, and his collapse. So he's, he's moving the spotlight away from him, and I think that does help Rory overall. But... I mean, at some point, he's going to face that same pressure that just cracked Jordan Spieth. And it's going to be interesting to see if he has the backbone to stand to withstand it. Here we are 10 minutes into this. Let's talk about the winner, right? Give Danny yeah, Rose some love. I mean, he almost didn't even make it. And you think yeah. about, I mean, this is a player who has surged up the rankings, up the official world golf rankings. It's funny because I got a text from John Daly last night, and he said, I've been, picking, I've been picking them all week. <laughs> he said, I told everybody. I told, you know, I told Dan Patrick. I told Rex Hoggard. And I said, why? Why did you pick Danny Willett? I mean, other than the fact that we've heard his name a lot lately, he said he's a great win player, and he's a great putter. And that, isn't just, that doesn't just show that this guy can win at Augusta National. That tells me that he is a... He's a major championship, major championship caliber player, not for just this week, but moving forward. It's one of those things where you look back in hindsight now and you see how the pieces kind of lined up, that he'd won a couple of bigger events on the European Tour, and then he, he makes a big splash last year at the match play when he knocks out a bunch of big names en route to a third-place finish. You're like, all right, this guy has a little bit of game. Then he backs it up. He's got the 36-hole lead at St. Andrews at the Open Championship. Doesn't quite deliver, but still finishes tied for sixth. You say, all right, this is, he's starting to put it together. And then this year at Doral, everyone talked about how Bubba Watson's runner-up at Doral was a sign of his master success to come, and he's done it in years before. But there was Danny Willett sitting there tied for third, playing a difficult golf course in difficult conditions against a world-class field and beating almost everyone. And now, as you look back, it starts to make a little bit more sense. That you're right, this is a guy who, he was 12th in the world coming into this week. Not a lot of American fans may have known the name, but he certainly has the chops to compete against the best on some of the most difficult courses. And now he has the extra confidence bump of having that green jacket in his closet. And what he did at 16, that's yep. an intimidating shot. But of all, the, of all the holes that he played, nothing impressed me more. Because here, you know, you have yep. Spieth collapsing, Westwood's in it, DJ's making a charge, and what does Willett come up and do? He Stuff slams a, an eight iron, which was funny because DJ and Rory, both long hitters, both hit seven irons. So when Westwood hit that eight iron and he was so far short, and then they said Willett was hitting an eight iron, I thought, that he's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nope, well, not such a, little, a little extra juice yeah. as he sees his name at the top of the board. I was impressed by that, but I was also impressed by the chip on 17. Because yeah. he, he played 17, 18, started to get a little shaky, and he missed in a very bad spot on 17 and hit a ridiculous chip to basically a kick in. You saw Westwood's caddy give him the thumbs up as the ball is still rolling there. My immediate thought, how much would Kenny Perry have paid for that chip? back in 09. I mean, that's where it, it all went wrong for Kenny with a two-shot lead. He bogeyed there, he bogeyed 18. But Willett, with a tougher pin over on the left, he just absolutely nailed it. Kick in par, and he goes to 18 pretty much with the tournament under wraps. And that's what's so amazing. Here is a guy who had never won on U.S. soil. And to be able, you're right. I mean, that was that was a more impressive performance, what he did up and down on 17. Good. Well, yeah. it was impossible looking at that. I thought, okay, we're really going to have a ball game now. Um, but he got that up and down. What does that say about his nerves? Clearly, I mean, he hasn't I mean, been in this position. Yeah, I mean, you look at the guy, the, the three guys that seem to be the, the most likely to benefit from Spieth's collapse are Willett, Westwood, and Dustin Johnson. And two of them wobbled, and one of them played his way into the house, and that's why he's got the green jacket. You saw as soon as Westwood chips in on 15, it seems like he's got the momentum, boom, turns around, three putt on 16. Dustin Johnson can't make what seems like an eagle putt on every single hole, and then he, he, he three putts for double on 17, and it kind of goes awry. But Willett was the one, as you said, he knew on 16T that he was leading that golf tournament. He wasn't sure why. He thought there might have been a mistake on the scoreboard, but he knew he was in first, and he stuffed it to seven feet and took off from there. What about Westwood? He's been so close, former world number one, playing alongside Willett and watching all that happen. And he really, I mean, he obviously had a chance, and you, miss, you mentioned the three putt at, at 16. That, for me, was, was hard to watch, too. Yeah, I agree. I think that, first of all, I don't think Danny Willett wins the Masters if he's not playing with Lee Westwood. I think that that pairing was a huge benefit for him. They're both friends. They're both Chubby Chandler players, and I think that it really helped calm his nerves, especially coming down the stretch to have a familiar face across the tee box. But in terms of Westwood, I mean, I really didn't think that he was going to get another crack at a major. Coming into this week, he barely qualified for the tournament at, via the world rankings. But credit to him, he played his way right into contention, and, and you want to be there just in case something weird happens. And, and something weird definitely happened with Jordan Spieth, but yeah, it's just another close call for Westwood. I, I mean, I really don't think that now as he enters his mid-40s that he's going to get that major title, but this is another another case that clearly he has the game to contend but getting over that hurdle it just seems like it's not going to be in his cards yeah his ninth top three finish in a major championship that's a lot no that wins lot. that is a lot yeah, yeah. and across I, you know we're talking open championships the Tory Pines U.S. Open plenty of, of masters he always plays well at Augusta National but Oh, man, it's just, it does not seem like it's meant to be for Lee Westwood. Let's move on to Dustin Johnson because he keeps knocking on the door as well. When he hit that shot in the trees on 15. Was it in the trees, through the trees? I, I did don't he, know. Did he move a tree? I, I thought that that, I thought we were watching our winner. I really yeah. did. I thought this is going to end up being like Bubba in the playoff, that shot that he hit off the pine needles mm -hmm. over the trees. I thought this is going to be one of the most memorable shots, one of the most clutch shots in Masters history. Yeah, no, I thought I, he was going to make that putt. Oh, I did too, except for the fact that he had missed the other, <laughs> the other ones, leaving him right in the jaws. But, but you're right. This felt like this is the exact scenario that Dustin Johnson or even Westwood or a guy like Sergio maybe would need in order to win a major. No expectations, no pressure of leading for almost the entire tournament. And then with three holes to go, it falls into his lap. And can you just get it across the finish line? And he just couldn't make any of those putts. You go back to that four putt on six where he putted it up the ridge and it came back to his feet. I mean, that, that double bogey proved to be huge in terms of what his, his title chances turned out to be. But 
I mean, he was probably, I haven't checked the, the stats, but he had to be one of the top guys in terms of strokes gained tee to green for the week. But it's always for Dustin Johnson going to be about the putter. We saw it at Chambers Bay. We've seen it at other major venues. And we definitely saw it on Sunday when he just could not make a putt when he needed to. His fifth career top five finish since 2010. Sooner or later when we see him win a major championship. I, you may not think that we'll see him. I think later. I don't think he's going to get it. Really? Yeah. I, apparently I don't think anyone's going to win a major I know. today. I, there's, there's no one is going to get him. But uh, yeah, I, he's going to turn 32 soon. And he, he has had more chances that have gone by than I think he's going to get in the future. So we'll have to see. He has the game. He just needs one of those weeks where the putter cooperates. But uh, plenty, plenty of battle wounds there for Dustin Johnson. One quick question for you before we go back to Spieth and end on him. Bryson DeChambeau, what an incredible week. He's turning pro. Um, I know he was disappointed with a Saturday performance, but this is a guy who I think, I mean, we're obviously going to see him win quite a few PGA Tour titles. I'll will go we, with that. Will we see him slip on the green jacket pretty soon? Uh, I don't know about pretty soon. I think that he, he we got to work work on one thing at a time. We'll see what he does at the RBC Heritage <laughs> first. But uh, no, I, I definitely think that he talked about this as the internship, and I think that this was another learning lesson for him, playing his way into contention. That that triple bogey really cost him on Friday as he was near the lead. But yeah, he's going to make his pro debut this week up in Hilton Head, and I think that it's going to be the start of what's going to be a very successful pro career. Let's finish with Jordan Spieth. It's still hard to believe, and I'm looking at my notes here. At 5.05 Eastern Time, he led by five shots. This is like an autopsy running yeah, through this. it is. Yeah. I know. Now, I think that somebody, I think I heard it on the broadcast because I don't have it here, but it was 50 minutes where it went from, it. from that kind of lead yep. to that kind of deficit. It's, it's, I mean, we've never seen anything like it. You can, you can paint parallels to other majors, but to have the defending champ, and it's soon to be world number one if he wins that tournament. Have the have the the trophy and the green jacket in his clutches, and then to let it go in such a, a mind-boggling fashion. Uh, yeah, I'm still reeling from it. So, so when you think about his performance, so 2004, he's played in three Masters, and yeah. look at what he's done. He doesn't know anything but the final pairing on Sunday, at the Masters. He thinks it's like just an annual tradition. Like, Tradition unlike any other for Jordan Spieth. Just tee it up at 245. Will we continue to see that after what happened? Yeah, sure. I think that I think it's going to take a while. The next uh, major championship that he plays his way into contention is going to be big. We saw Rory bounce back right away from his Masters debacle. We saw Adam Scott give the player jug away at Lytham and come back and win the Masters a few months later. So I, I don't know how he's going to do next year, but I certainly expect that uh, we're going to see Jordan Spieth on plenty of Masters leaderboards for years to come. I think from now on, every time he gets to 12, uh, I can expect him to take an extra club. Yeah, but, I, but th maybe it doesn't help him. You don't want to be in the back bunker there either. It's just, yeah, man. Which, that, by the way, that was an impressive bunker yeah, shot was because good, I was good. looking at that and I thought, this is no, I wasn't even thinking about him getting it up and down. I was thinking after everything that had happened, he's, he's, he's looking yeah. at the water. Yeah, I agree. I was like, he's going to make a 10 right now. That was an incredible up yeah. and down. But that whole, I mean, I, I still think that he has some wounds from 2014 when he really let it slip against Bubba when he, he put it in the water there. It's clearly a hole that, that has his number. It's something that I think that he and Cameron McCormick and Greller, when they get back to the drawing board, they can kind of try and see if they can fix it. But uh, he's going to be playing those highlights or lowlights at 12 for years to come. I'm going to give you my final takeaway, and then I want to hear yours because it's probably a lot more um, valid. But, but my biggest takeaway, honestly, is how Michael Greller reacts to this, mm -hmm. um, how, how he sort of changes 
um, in his role because we now see that that a caddy plays such a huge role I mean you always know that but when you sit there and watch what happened and we can call it a meltdown because it was and it happens in golf and not to blame Jordan Spieth I mean we see it all the time but that was a major meltdown I'm really interested to see how Michael Greller changes on the golf course as a caddy that's yeah. what I'm gonna be watching more Jordan Spieth will be fine he's a great ball striker he's a great putter one of the best putters we've seen in a long time I'm curious about Greller I am curious about how much gas Spieth's gonna have in the tank this summer this was his ninth event in 12 weeks he went and did his Asian victory tour took the appearance fee money that's all well and good if he wins this tournament by four shots it's no problem but he didn't win the tournament by four shots he gave it away and this is going to take a toll physically mentally all across the board and he is not going to have a lot of let up from here especially once you get to the players championship through the Ryder Cup it is going to be pedal to the metal for him and I'm not sure that he came into this week at 100 percent and I definitely don't think he's leaving at 100 percent so how he's going to be able to recharge and get ready for the three majors and the Olympics still to come that's what I'm curious about a lot to pay attention to it's been fun I'm glad yes. I finally got to sit in yeah. Yeah, glad to have you. All right. Maybe next time. Maybe they'll let me come back. Uh, I think you got a Lisa good and Will signing off for this Monday Scramble podcast. Thanks a lot for watching. We'll see you next week.